is Jules, your host of the All Things Iceland podcast, where I give you the inside scoop on Icelandic nature, history, culture, and language through my experience as an expat living in the country since 2016. Welcome to this week's episode, which is about seven ways that Iceland can kill you. I know that sounds morbid and it's not really meant to be. It's just more of bringing awareness to potential dangers here. And the point is, is that many individuals come to Iceland so excited about the nature, so excited about the different opportunities to see things that maybe you'll never see somewhere else. And while that is awesome, there are certain things to be aware of and there's nothing wrong with being aware of that. I don't think it will dampen the excitement for your trip. Rather, I think it will give you healthy expectations and also ways to keep you safe. So that's just the goal of this. And for those who are planning a trip to Iceland, which I know many of you are, just know that as I mentioned in a previous episode that I'm working on some great content to make preparing for your trip and learning about Iceland easy and fun. I hear from so many people that the podcast or my YouTube channel has been so helpful for them to plan their trip to Iceland. And that always makes my heart sing just because that's the point. The point is to, of course, share my view of it, but to give you just some really great, helpful information about life here, traveling, the people, culture, all of that, of course, as you can tell from what I mentioned in the introduction. So what I'm doing is actually making some exclusive content for people who are planning to travel to Iceland. If you think that my YouTube channel or the podcast or even my Instagram account has been helpful, then you will find this super helpful because it's so targeted and everything's in one place. And I also get to share more of my perspective on topics that I haven't been able to hit on yet. So that part is just something I'm really excited about putting together. And the first people who will know about it are those on my email list. So if you aren't on it, I highly recommend, I mean, along with the announcement about what's coming, which is so exciting, there's actually two things. One's going to come before the other, of course, but two super awesome things that are coming that I think travelers are going to really find helpful. I'm also providing fun updates in my emails as well. So in order for you to sign up, which I highly recommend that you do if you want to be one of the first to know about this, the link to my email list to sign up is in the show notes of this episode on allthingsiceland.com. All right, so let's jump into these seven ways that Iceland can kill you. And the first, because it is just on top of people's minds, happens to be about volcanoes. We have an erupting volcano happening right now on the Reginas Peninsula. It's all over the news, or it has been. Started in March. It's still going. There have been some moments of inactivity. And I say moments just because when you think about the life of this thing erupting, it's only been a small amount of time where it seemed like nothing was happening. And then all of a sudden there's lava again. And when it comes to the volcano, I think the majority of people, in fact, I know the majority of people are quite careful around them. But there are some misconceptions about what is considered to be safe. And the most important thing I think to point out is that just because you see lava that is hardened does not mean that it's safe to go too close to it, to touch it, to step on it, for instance. And there was a story very recently, I think it's just a couple of weeks ago, about a tourist. And unfortunately, it was from the United States. <laughs> and this man well, I believe it was in the 60s, he was standing on top of lava that was hardened, but underneath, in the Instagram reel that showed this guy, 
underneath, when they zoomed in, you can see that there is actually molten hot lava glowing underneath him. And it's not like it's not evident. And the thing that really blew my mind is the fact that not only did this person do this, but later on, I think they caught up with him and like asked him a question. He was like, why do this all around the world? As if like, this is something to brag about, right? That you put your life in danger, that you also might be setting a bad example for other individuals who might take a chance similarly. I mean, at that point, it's all about, you know, who's going to win the Darwin Award. I'm just, I just don't feel like, you know, very sympathetic to people who go and step on things like that, where it's very obvious that there is hot lava there that would literally just burn you up, you know, like you would lose your feet or whatever else, or hopefully, you know, you could be helped, you would get out alive. And there were also images of tourists who were walking on the hardened lava too. Now, granted, this lava was a little bit older, but even still, they were like, it was pointed out in these pictures in terms of arrows of the people walking on it. And then the search and rescue teams had to announce that they are not going after you if you do that. So they're a volunteer organization. And this is just like a key thing to keep in mind. There's people who are willing to put their lives on the line to help you if you're in danger. And they do this all year round, every season, day or night, on call for free. But they said this time we're not. We are not. We'll be there on site. And maybe they'll, you know, of course, they'll get like a helicopter evacuation if necessary, but they're not going to run out on the lava after you because you made that decision to do it. And I don't blame them. That is really scary. And also they are there to track if, you know, the gas levels are very high and they're recommending for people not to go. There's even updates on that website about like the different paths that you can take for the day and what's closed and whatnot. So people here are very active in trying to prevent individuals from getting hurt. And yet you still have people who do stupid things that can get them killed. And I hate to say it like that because I don't think that people are necessarily not smart. I think that people do stupid things, stupid actions that could lead to their lives being lost. And this is very preventable. And like I mentioned, if you don't know about safetravel.is, now you do please use it. And it's also going to come up when I talk about the next point. But in terms of volcanoes, you can definitely appreciate and see the volcano from afar. I've been there three times. I've not had any issues. And it's just one of those things where it can be a really fun time, but it can also kill you. So please be careful. Number two has to do with the weather in Iceland. And from previous episodes, I've talked about how windy it can be or, you know, the dark, long nights. And yeah, that's that's a part of being here is the volatility and being flexible with your, you know, plans and things like that. It isn't always easy, of course, when you have maybe like just a few days, but there's also a good chance in summer or winter that there's a windstorm. And in summer, the windstorms are more like, okay, say if you're out in an area where there's black sand, deserts, and the wind, there's a weather warning and you just happen to be driving there, meaning you weren't paying attention to it or weren't aware of it. It can literally lift these rocks and dirt off the ground, swirl to your car, blow the windows out of your car. It can flip you off the road. It can, like, the wind is not a joke. And the way that this is prevented is just checking this website that I've been mentioning about whether or not any roads are closed, any weather warnings, things like that. And in the wintertime, 
There, of course, the roads can be very icy, then, and there also can be windstorms, snowstorms, people get stuck. It happens quite a bit, regardless if there's tourists here or not. So it's not just like people who are not accustomed to driving in the weather. It can just be people who are residents here and they happen to get caught in, you know, a snowbank or there's a whiteout situation and there was a car crash or they had to pull over or something. So it is not a joke. And unfortunately, there are accidents or there are people who need to be rescued during these times. So just make sure to look at safetravel.is. It's kind of the theme, at least for those first two, because I, I do believe that you can prevent a lot of things. Not everything can be prevented. Sometimes this happens that you're in a certain place and the weather changed so quickly that there wasn't as much time to prepare or, you know, you weren't aware of it in advance. But just be aware that these things are possible and there are some precautions you can take or planning you can take in order to prevent yourself from being in some situations that could be dangerous. Number three has to do with exposure, dying from exposure in Iceland. And unfortunately, there's a couple in January 2020. So this is right before COVID hit. And these individuals were out at Solheimasantur. So Solheimasantur is a plane wreck on the south coast. And many people like to go out there and take pictures. It kind of has like this dystopian look. I find it kind of interesting. I've never walked there. I've been on a quad bike there and you have to do it through a certain tour company because they own the land and all that jazz. So this couple, they parked in the parking lot that is a 45 minute or so walk one way. So that is just something else to keep in mind that if you're going there and there is sometimes a shuttle bus, but it isn't running all the time. And it might've been that this was like a slow time and they didn't feel that it was necessary to run the shuttle bus. I'm not sure, but any other time, like people, if you want to park there and walk, that's just up to you. So these individuals decided to walk and they ended up dying because they weren't prepared for the weather. And Layering in Iceland is so important. It literally can save your life. And I only mention this because I'm always afraid of people, you know, potentially coming here and saying that they didn't like it because the weather was this way or that. And I had to learn that there isn't any bad weather. It's just, you know, bad clothing. Now, that's to an extent. Sometimes there is just bad weather. Like you can't be out in a blizzard, right? And be like, well, I've got all the clothes for it. <laughs> so there's no fun in it. Like you might be, you know, getting whipped around by the wind or freezing temperatures. Like there's, there are times where the weather is just awful and you should stay inside if you can find shelter. And there are a lot of times though here where it's just, you do need certain layers to help you in order to make it so that when you're out, in Iceland, you can enjoy it. And then, you know, if you need to take layers off, which is better to be able to take layers off than need to put them on that you don't have. So, you know, lean take layers off is, is not a bad option. And so I had created this free ultimate packing checklist and I will link it in the show notes for those who are maybe from like warmer climates like Florida. I often get people who are from Florida and they are just like, what should I wear <laughs> even in summertime? Because summertime to them in Iceland is cold. So I've always found it was really important to make that available to individuals. So feel free to grab that. It's totally free. And I separate it into summertime and wintertime 
packing checklist so that's pretty easy based off of the season you're coming in if you're coming in fall for instance then you could just use the summertime version it's really similar temperatures up until like october or november and then for spring in iceland it's more leaning towards winter until you get to around like may june number four is stepping into a hot mud pool and boiling to death yeah not fun and another one that can be prevented. So staying on paths is really important in Iceland, not just because of wanting to protect the flora in the area, which is very important. I mean, you know, moss and different ecosystems that are growing in these areas, they are there for a reason and the paths were created in order for people to not ruin them or, you know, mess up the landscape in some way. But when it comes to places where there are hot mud pools, there are many of them where it's so hot that it could oil your skin. And usually you're around these places, you'll know when you smell the sulfur, which smells like rotten eggs. It's great. <laughs> I remember, or even like flatulence. I remember driving with Gunnar, like he was driving, it was wintertime, and I could smell it. Like it was just like thick in the air. And I was like, oh, did you pass gas? And he was like, no, 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 no. We're just in a place where a lot of geothermal air energy and like, you know, the sulfur smell and I was like oh and it's so it's not like you can roll down the window to make it better it's probably better just to leave the windows rolled up but as we were exploring the area it was like okay you know walk here and you even saw like signs that said 100 degrees celsius or more you know be careful and back then there were signs and maybe a rope or two in many of the really popular places, there are, of course, more ropes or just like more areas just to kind of make people aware. But in some other places where, you know, it feels like it's much less known or maybe less people go there, it might not have as many like, you know, protective barriers. So if you have a child with you or something like that, like make sure you're keeping watch uh, over them or holding their hand, whatever it is yourself, you know, even if you want to get this great picture, but you had to step off the path, be very, very careful that you're not stepping into something that could boil you to death. In the wintertime too, that can be a really deceptive one because maybe there's some snow there that's covering it a little bit and you can't tell how wide it is. So just something for you to keep in mind. Number five is not being careful off the edges of cliffs or waterfalls or, you know, things like that, where there could be some loose rocks that if you stepped on those, you could fall to your death, or there could even be some wind that is pretty strong and pushes you over. So I know plenty of people who have been pushed over by the wind, not necessarily off of a cliff, thankfully, but for sure the wind in Iceland is strong enough to push people back or forward or whatever direction it is going in in relation to your body. And I've been a, I wouldn't say a victim of it, but I've definitely experienced it in an environment where thankfully I was not near anything that would be dangerous if I'd fallen, but I, it was intense. And it was specifically in the East where it was just like my hair, everything, my body, I was just struggling to walk against the wind. And I was leaning pretty far forward. <laughs> so the wind in Iceland can get extremely strong and you do not want to be you know on the side of a cliff or something when a gust potentially comes along and knocks you over but in terms of with like on the edge of a cliff a lot of the times it's not so much wind related as it is like miscalculating misstepping 
and individuals are taking selfies or they're just looking out of curiosity. I know I'm one of those people who is certainly curious about like, hmm, I wonder what's over this cliff. I usually get um like a little bit lower to the ground <laughs> if I'm having to go like slightly closer. And if I'm like, I can't see it that well, then I just can't see it. That's no big deal. But often I've seen in person or in pictures or videos where individuals are way too close. And I've heard of instances, unfortunately, where people have fallen in like a waterfall, into a waterfall, and they just died. So these are real instances that happen. All of the things that I'm talking about aren't from me speculating that this can happen, but rather it from incident reports or news articles in which people were real victims of these particular ways of losing your life in Iceland. Number six are sneaker waves. And sneaker waves in this case has to do with waves. And the reason why they're called sneaker waves, nothing to do with a pair of shoes, but actually because the waves sneak up on you. And for anyone who's not familiar with this, at first when I heard it, I was just like, what are you talking about? Like, that's just sounds kind of ridiculous. And then I went to Reynes Fiara Black Sand Beach, which is the most famous for it because the most amount of people go there to visit. It's not that it doesn't happen in other beaches in Iceland. It definitely does. And before I explain more about Reynes Fiara Black Sand Beach, I don't want you to think that every beach in Iceland is one that you have to be afraid of the waves. There are places like Neutholzvik where people go to swim on that beach. Now, they did import like white sand to this area. And it's very like this little cove that they created. So it's much more calmer. But there are places where people learn how to surf in Iceland or they go sea swimming and all that jazz. But there are also specific places where they are infamous for sneaking up on people, meaning the waves are so intense that when they're coming up, you don't even realize how fast it's coming up when the water's approaching. And all of a sudden you're just in water. And then sometimes you're being sucked out from the shore into the water and you're in like a rip current type of situation and the water's very cold. You're in all of your clothes, whatever that might be, but summertime is less, of course, than in the winter, but you know, those are getting wet. You're trying to fight against it. And there have been people that have died. There was even like a family where I think uh, the majority of them perished, unfortunately. And it's just, it's awful. It's really awful. And that is not the way that anybody wants their vacation to go just because you wanted to see the water more up close. When you go to places like Reynes Fiata, Black Sand Beach, they actually have a sign about staying far enough away from the water because of this. And a lot of people ignore it. There are a decent amount of videos on YouTube specifically showing on Reynes Fiata, Black Sand Beach of tourists getting soaking wet by the water because they miscalculated or they didn't realize it was coming in so fast or people being dragged a bit out, things like that. And even when someone says like, hey, don't be so close to the water, people still do it. Some people were even trying to play a game, like make a game out of it and see if they could outrun the water. And it's just, it's eye roll worthy just in the fact that you know that this could mean their like death potentially. And it's, yeah. And there's no lifeguard. There's nobody out there looking to tell you that, hey, don't do this. It might be a tour guide who's actually guiding a tour that ends up saying it to you, but like everyone else, there's an assumption that you're reading the sign when you enter from the parking lot. So just be mindful of that. And last but certainly not least, number seven, that 
I've come up with, at least in terms of ways that ice can kill you, has to do with you're driving along, you see the beautiful scenery, because there's a lot of beautiful scenery. Could be even that you see the northern lights in the distance or like what looks like it could be above your car. And you take your eyes off the road because you're so mesmerized. And that is so dangerous. <laughs> so there's taking your eyes off the road and then there's also stopping in the middle of the road. And this is not just tourists that do this. I mean, there are tourists that are influencers, but there are influencers that live here that do this. And they set a bad example, in my opinion. Not all of them, but there are some where it's just like, no, that picture is not appropriate <laughs> because people are going to want to emulate this. I mean, why wouldn't they? It's a beautiful photo of you in the middle of the road, standing on top of your car or something, you know, intense like that. And so for me, you know, why I am an I, I very much appreciate beautiful photographs. I always look at it and cringe a little because I'm like, uh, how many people are going to try to get this same shot and potentially cause an accident? How many people are going to be in their cars seeing the Northern Lights and they just kind of forget that they're driving and they're just so busy looking up that they are potentially causing an accident, veering, you know, onto the opposite end of the road, maybe hitting someone in front of them. Maybe someone behind them is confused. Like there's different things. Maybe they just go off the road and flip or something. So definitely a circumstance that can lead to some dangerous situations. So please just be aware. So those are basically the seven things that I thought of. I of course have my other sections of the show. In the random fact of the episode, which I'm not sure if I've used this before, but remember the search and rescue teams that I mentioned earlier and that they're a voluntary organization. So there's like different ones all over the country. And one of their major ways of raising money for the organization is sell fireworks. But because of like the potential for pollution and, you know, just the fact that dogs, like certain animals or many animals, I should say, uh, as well as like individuals are affected by fireworks. So dogs or other animals that get you know scared by the fireworks and then from the like gas that's let off, there are individuals who might have breathing problems. So there's talk like more about either stopping that, the selling of fireworks, or kind of veering more into like getting people to, you know, donate to them and they plant trees and like do this other stuff. So I just think that's kind of interesting. Just it's not as related to something morbid, but more of to the people who are doing awesome work and they, you know, this is pretty much like their lives. Like I know people and I'm hoping to get someone on the one of the episodes to interview who's on the search and rescue team because their life is just work usually like they're whatever their nine to five is and then search and rescue stuff. So they're going to do trainings constantly and it's just, it's a fascinating life. It seems kind of grueling, but many of them seem to really enjoy being a part of something bigger than themselves that can save people's lives. The Icelandic word of the episode is haita, haita, haita. And that means danger. And if you go to certain places, you will see haita. So for instance, Gunnukver, which is on the Reykjanes Peninsula, which I talked about in a previous episode, there it says haita. And it's like basically is showing that there's this temperature of 100 degrees Celsius or more in this particular hot pool. So it's just an interesting word that you'll probably encounter a decent amount of places in Iceland where there's a potential for danger. So I want to give a shout out to the members of the All Things Iceland Patreon community who are in the Ausgardur tier. 
part of the membership is that they get a shout out on the podcast each month. And so thank you to Nicole, Roxanne, Mel, Kim, Oliver, Julia, Paul, Noah, Betty, Melton, Mark, and Danielle. So I'll scatter the tiers. Just one tier of the four that are available. Their support and the support of those in the other membership tiers is greatly appreciated. And it helps me to keep the podcast going. If you're interested to join as a member and support the All Things Iceland podcast, check out patreon.com forward slash All Things Iceland or just click the link in the show notes. Thank you.